Well, good morning. Uh, happy spring. My message today is on resilience. And if you looked out the window this morning and you saw that white stuff, you said, when's it going to come? <laughs> That's a bit of resilience right now. Canadians have that resilience, some of us anyway, right? So thank, I, let's pray, please. Thank you, Lord, for this day. And I pray, Lord, that this message on resilience be your message, Lord. Just, just use my lips, use my mouth, please, Lord. You know that I am unskilled in terms of all uh, theological stuff, etc. But I have had a heart for you for a long time, Lord. So guide me, please. Have hope in the minds and open hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I've always been intrigued, though, at the timing of when Christ is going to return. Right? And there are many passages in the Bible which, are going to, which do describe that. Take a look at Mark 13. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. And this is the beginning of birth pains. Birth pains, the birth of the new Jerusalem. Well, I looked at that and I thought, <laughs> that stuff's been going on for millennia, hasn't it? So that doesn't really kind of give me a good date in terms of when this return of Christ is going to be. Okay, but we still are in that though, aren't we? What does Matthew 24 say? At this, gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, the word nations here does not mean countries. We know that in Canada, our indigenous people have several nations. They're different people groups within this country. That's what we're referring to here. All right. As recently as 2015, there were still more than 1,400 groups with no known Christians. And, uh, but today, there are only a few hundred unengaged groups remaining. Vision School has claimed that in five years, all peoples will have heard the gospel. Hey, hallelujah. All right. Matthew 24, what's it say? At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Ooh. It's called the great falling away. Just a little bit of history in terms of my life. I grew up in a small town of 5,000 people in Nova Scotia. And virtually most people in that town went to church. And here's the reason why. The, the, the businesses in that small town were small businesses, all owned by people within the community. And the workers were within the community. And they needed a day off or two. And so, hey, Sunday, day of rest. All businesses closed. All people no longer working that particular day. They went to church, most of them. Okay, then I noticed when I was about 10 years old, a bigger store came in. It was a national store. Oh, this is different. Huh? Hey, it's about four times as big as everything else. Yeah, and they hired more people. They had more stuff. They even, a parking lot? Never heard of one before. In front? Wow. And guess what happened? It was convenient. I got a day off on Sunday. I'm going to go shopping. And not too long afterwards, a mall appeared on, on the other end of town. 
more? Anyway, you got the drift? Right now, I noticed a video just a few weeks ago of the top nations, uh, atheistic nations. Believe it or not, Canada is 12th. They claim that 63% of Canadians do not have a deity that they worship, whether it be God, some other deity, some whatever. They do not believe that there is a, that there is a spiritual center to life. 63%. Do you want to call that a falling away? That's just in 60 years. It's amazing. I drive along, uh, I live in, in, in Canada, and so I drive along uh, Bell's Corner once in a while. And I look, and there's a lovely little church there. It's now a restaurant. And I drive a little bit further, and there's this cute little church made of stone, beautiful, nice little uh, sign outside, which used to bring the Christ, uh, parishioners back into the church. You know what it says now? Cannabis. Guaranteed lowest price. Are we in a falling away? I get the impression we're pretty doggone close to the precipice of what this is all about. I do believe that Christ is going to be coming back soon. However, Mark 13 straightens us out a little bit, and it says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, nor the Father. So it's useless to sit back and say, I know when it's going to come. We don't. All right. Matthew 24 says, but the one who stands firm in the end will be saved. That's really what my message of resilience is really going to be all about. Standing firm, no matter whether it's earthquake, no matter whether it's war, no, whether, no matter if it's falling away, stand firm in your faith. Now that is true resilience. One of the most remarkable things about human beings is how resilient we are. I'd like to introduce a young lady to you. I think her picture is there. There she is right now. This is Jessica Watson. She's a 16-year-old girl from Australia who decided that she wanted to sail around the world solo non-stop, unassisted. It means she can't stop anywhere. She can't get food anywhere. Everything has to be aboard that vessel when she goes. Her goal was to be the youngest person to ever sail completely around the world. All lines of longitude and actually both in the South Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere. And she did it. She left on October 2009, came back to Australia in 2010, over 22,000 nautical miles. That's about 40,000 kilometers. You want to call that resilience? Now, I'm going to tell you something about it. I don't know if you can see this or not. I love sailing. Arlene and I have done some. And when I sail, I like that boat kind of tilted over a boat like this so that the water level is up on the gunnel. Boy, can you ever tear along nice and fast when you're sailing at that. Jessica was knocked down. And knocked down means the mast 
is in the water. Not only once, it happened to her seven times. An amazing individual, right? Yet one of the most surprising things about human beings is how that all that resilience can evaporate in a moment. Because she took her vessel before she started around the world on a shakedown cruise just to test out all the equipment, make sure she knows how it all works, etc., etc. She's been training for this for a long time. She goes out. The first night that she's out, she's asleep for about two hours. All of a sudden, there was a bang on the side of the boat. The boat was knocked sideways. The mast was torn down. All the rigging ripped off. The back end of the whole thing was damaged. She no longer had uh, solar panels. She never had the wind generator for electrical processes. Everything was demolished topside. She looked out the porthole and she saw a massive steel going past her. She come up on, on the top and there was a 23, 22,000 ton bulk carrier had sideswiped her. They didn't know she was there. She started her engine, went back 12 hours, 14 hours to, to where her home was, totally devastated. The media got a hold of this, and they started crying, a 16-year-old car going all the way out there? It's incredible. How would you do that? Parents, you should be ashamed of yourself for sending a 16-year-old girl sailing around the world. And the media jumped upon her, and her dad looked at her and says, what are we going to do? Jessica said, I'm going to sail around the world. And a cosmetic company came to the rescue. Young girl going around the world, cosmetic. Ooh, there's a nice match. We'll pay for everything to get your boat in shape. Six weeks later, she left Australian Harbor for her cruise around the world. There was about a thousand people wishing her on. When she came back seven months later, there was 150,000 people lined up on the side for this young lady who had accomplished because of resilience. She was a hero in that nation. Now, that's resilience. But when you grow up in a world where everything is done with a few clicks on your phone, it doesn't exactly develop resilience. I want it. I want it now. Click. Ding dong. Thank God for Amazon. You know, I'm wondering with AI coming along, whether or not they're going to be smart enough to know when you're going to order something. So when you go click, ding, ding, he's right at your door already with package in hand. (sighs) Nonsense. Let's look what Daniel went through. In the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 10. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Don't be afraid. You who are highly esteemed, he said, peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord since you have given me strength. It just goes to show 
that the story of God should get more of our attention than any other form of media. We should spend as much time as our Bible as we should on media. Because media, generally speaking, particularly in news, tends to knock us down a bit. Look at all the stuff that's going on in the world. The Bible does the opposite. How are you balancing out what you're putting in? Think about it. Now, resilience is also something that is bestowed, something imparted by God into our frail humanity. Look at what Luke chapter chapter 21 says. Be careful. In your hearts will be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the anxieties of life. Anybody here have anxieties in life? (laughs) And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come on all those who live in the face of the whole earth. See, we actually live in two worlds. We have a physical world. We are. We're made of physical stuff. All right? My chemistry, molecules, atoms, there we are. Stuff around us. Okay, we live in a physical world. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that think that's all this world is, is physical. Ah, we also have a spiritual world. Our thoughts, they're not made of matter. Our emotions, they're not made of matter. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What do we call those? Fruits of the Spirit within us. God created both in us. So our physical body, when we die, down it goes. Deteriorates, the Bible says, to dust. (laughs) Okay. But our spirit spiritual part gets pulled back to heaven. And I think that that's what's being judged by God. How strong is that spirit? Where does Jesus live? Interesting question. Remember when he said, I will tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days? Where did he build it? I mean, the Jews thought this was crazy. The temple was the center of their whole faith. You're going to destroy that and rebuild it in three days? You've got to be crazy. You see, they were thinking physical. Christ was talking spiritual. Different. Hmm. So, I'm going to try and draw something out here a little bit for you, if I can do that. So let's go back over here. This is going to be sort of our spiritual self here, okay? So right here, Cute. What happened? That's better. I'm going to call this uh, shallows. These things exist in our head quite often. Shallows. They're usually very short-lived. They might be something like, oh my gosh, I forgot to do this. I forgot to pay that. Did I I lock the door when I went? Where's my keys? These are things which go along. Do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you're trying to go back to sleep, but you can't do it? Why? Is that what happens? 
And you're saying, I got to go to sleep. You're in the shallows. All right? Now, underneath that, I'm going to call it the mid-level. The mid-levels. Now, what are the mid-levels? A little more serious here. These are where your hurts are. These are where your challenges are. Right? And they may be all kinds of different things. I've got an elderly parent. And the parent was living at home. I don't know whether she's going to be able to take care of herself still or whether she's got to go to a home. or where. And it's in your head constantly, isn't it? Long term. Or it might be something like a, a medical report. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't think it was going to be that serious. Oh. Or it might be financial. Or it might be somebody at work who's just being a total pain and bothers you day after day after day after day. That's the mid-levels. And your mind is in there, too. So you're sitting here, right? But the question is, where are you? The next level down here is the depths. And this is where we preside. I'm going to put it down as you, it's me, everybody. This is the core of you. It's who you are. It's your personality. It's your character. It's your soul. It's who you are. And it exists down in the depths. Question, where does Jesus live? If you brought him into your life, chances are you said, I will accept you into my heart, Jesus, to save me. This is where Jesus lives. Now, the question really is, how is our relationship? Here's Jesus, here's you. How good is that relationship? Because that relationship is going to determine the amount of resilience that we have. We do know this. We do know that God loves you. He is love. Jesus loved you. He died for us. The Bible says, no greater love than somebody who dies for somebody else. All right. Now, if you're in a relationship with somebody and that somebody says, I love you, how are you going to respond? Chances are you respond by saying, I love you. And this is something we've discovered fairly recently, and it really works well for us. First of all, in prayer. You end up, the Bible talks about going to a closet. Well, I don't know you about you, but our closets are so jam full of stuff, I can't fit in there. I'd be lucky to get a shoe in there. But what it means, it's a metaphor. It means some quiet place, you're shutting out the world, you're alone, and there's nothing distracting you. And you go into prayer. You know what a good thing for number two is? 
Jesus, I love you. I really do love you. And over time, Jesus, you, is going to mesh further and further and further together. What's the next step? Well, let's take a look in in Psalm 55 and other places as well. It says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. That to me sounds like resilience. What's he say? Cast your cares. Next step. Jesus, I'm swimming in this stuff. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you, Lord. I give everyone and everything to you. And if I'm trying to sleep, by the time I get through second line, I'm yawning. (sighs) Thank you, Lord. All of a sudden, you will begin to find a release from this shallows and this mid-levels. And if it's not quite as fast as you would like it to be, why don't you start praising God for what he's going to do? Step four. Interesting. All right. Okay, I will, quickly. I'm going to get a little personal on this. One and a half years ago, our whole family was out in the front yard there cleaning up junk from their twigs and grass and stuff like that and putting them in those big paper bags. And Arlene, oh, 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 oh. She goes over, she sits down. It was on this side, sorry. Oh. Right? So we brought her in the house. She can't lay down. I can't lay down. So a few, a few days later, we went to see the doctor. The doctor took a look at it and said, oh, I think it's a um, slipper rib or something like that. He said, go away. Five months later, it was still there. She has been unable to sleep in a bed for five months. Went to the doctor again. Says, this is enough, enough. We're going to give you a full slate of the whole things. So they went through a whole series of tests. Two weeks later, we found ourselves at the Queensway Carlton uh, Hospital at the Cancer Center. And in front of us was an oncologist and a radiologist. The oncologist says, we diagnosed you with stage four bone cancer. Wham! Right in there. And the radiologist said, we're going to start radiation treatment on you, on the rib and on the sternum, two locations where we found this stuff. Okay. The oncologist turns around and says, we're going to put you on two drugs. One of them to get rid of the hormones that you're working with, that the cancer is feeding on. And the second one is a, uh, what do you call them? That's a big one, right? (laughs) And he said, and it's not covered by OHIP. I said, really? Okay. How much is it? $6,000 a month. Boom! We go home. And Arlene and I 
sit down together, hold hands, and we went into prayer. And Arlene said, I will continue to walk. I will continue to ride my bike. I will continue to be able to do my exercises. I want to keep my cardiovascular strong. But I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, and I give all the rest of it to you. That was a year and a half ago. No, sorry, that was a year ago. On the third day of her radiation, she came home, she said, I don't feel any pain anymore. I can sleep in bed beside you again. First time in five months. I went to the oncologist, or the oncologist gave a call, and he said, I was able to find some funding for you, and the government, provincial government has a, has a situation where it's, they will fund you, and this time 100%. <laughs> a few months later, I went to the pharmacist to pick up one of the boxes of the, of the cancer, the big cancer drug, and the gal comes up with a box, rings the whole thing in, and says, that'll be 6000 and I said, no, huh, no, oh, she goes back and checks over with somebody, huh, you're right, it's a $1.89 transference fee, <laughs> thank you very much, I turned around, I walked out, and this man standing there looked at me and said, how did you do that, I said, it's a God thing, Walked away. All right. So, we've been talking about personal resilience. The big point is, how can we develop uh, resilience in other people? All right? Take a look at what Matthew 22 says. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? This is what he said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Seems to me that is this. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law of the prophets hang on these two commandments. So it is our responsibility, or should I say commandment, to love others as ourselves. And in order to do that, we must have a serving heart. Look at 1 John chapter 3. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but by the actions and in truth. That's how we're going to help other people overcome some of their challenges as well. Ephesians chapter 4, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The body of Christ, built up. At numbers, probably. In, in resil uh, resilience, most likely. There's a song that was very popular a little while ago, a long time ago, I'll be honest with you. These boots are made for walking. Is anybody ever, anybody familiar with that? Oh, well, there's a few hands, okay. 
Uh, it was popular. I liked it. didn't like the message. It was a message of uh, revenge. So what I've done is I've changed the words and I've put it to a picture in recognition of that 50th anniversary coming up in three weeks' time. So Arlene, this is for you. Can we see the picture, please? These legs were meant for walking, and that's just what they'll do. All of my days, these legs will walk all trails with you. All right, I, I, I know it's mushy, all right? I realize that. But it's a point that I want to make out. Change the two people up there. Suppose it's a younger couple. They've got two or three kids, whatever. Life's going along, and they're discovering that maybe their marriage isn't quite as shiny as what it was when they first got together. And they get invited, or they go to a, a couple's cafe, or a marriage oneness course, or whatever. And all of a sudden, they begin to realize that there's just common pitfalls in marriage. And if I can learn how to avoid, and they will, learn how to avoid some of those pitfalls, or stay away from them, or get out of them, you think their marriage is more resilient? Of course it is. Or maybe instead, maybe two senior citizens walking along, joining a seniors group. Why? So they can get around other people and get over this concept of being lonely. Would that help seniors out that you know? Getting rid of loneliness? Suppose it's two women instead. One of them having some challenges. And one steps along beside and says, I know you're going through stuff. Can I walk with you through it? Can I pray with you? It's called arm in arm. It's called pastoral care. Things that we do in this church to help other people. Suppose it's two men in an accountability group where they can talk with each other about true issues which are going on in their life. Maybe it's two other friends involved in grief share for those people that have found someone who's passed away. Or maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's a home temporarily for children while their parents get things back together again. We call it safe families. There's all kinds of things. Mature person with young people. Youth group. Children's group. STEM club. Young adult club. It doesn't matter. Right? It's our, it's a church's responsibility. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. It's the people's in the church responsibility to help other people. That's what we're here for. Slide, please. This is from a Irish philosopher. Can we have the next slide? One of the most beautiful gifts in the world is the gift of encouragement. When someone encourages you, that person helps you over a threshold you might never have crossed in your life. That builds resilience. We need that. Why? So we can stand firm at the end and be saved.